Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shining the Light, the podcast dedicated to sending out the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Dane Edmondson. Here with me is my co-host, Brian Wise, lead pastor at Community Baptist Church of Richmond. Welcome to Episode 7, Brian. Well, thank you, Dane, and it is good to uh, be back together again. We mentioned in one of our earlier episodes the importance for Christians to be sharing the gospel and how committed we are to carrying out uh, what has been called the Great Commission. And I read from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, as Jesus gave his followers, his disciples, uh, the commission to take the light, take the gospel, go make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. That's a very important aspect of discipleship is teaching, and that, that never ends until we die or until Christ returns, so it's kind of a never-ending task. I want to share today from Acts, uh, the book of Acts, which just that in the New Testament follows the, the Gospels, and it's the Acts of the Apostles, as we uh, mentioned on our last podcast, but it, it could also be better rendered the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the ministry of Jesus through the Apostles, and so the glory belongs to the Lord, and we see how he he acted in the wor- in the lives of men. But in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, there's a promise that Jesus gives to his followers. And uh, this is Jesus speaking. He says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, so they were to start at home, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He gave his followers, the command, the commission to go. And you start at home and you move out from there and you don't stop. Followers of Christ are not to stop until everyone has heard this gospel message. And so that has compelled us. And Dana shared his testimony and how this has worked in his heart and life and a passion of, of yours, Dane, to, to take the gospel, shine the light, as far and as wide as we possibly can, because it is the hope of the gospel, and it's the only place that we can find hope, is in Christ. So today, as we come to this episode, we want to bring, um, from time to time, testimonies. We want to bring uh, various guests in, into our program so that our listeners can, can hear from others. And today we have uh, Dennis and Melody Nordine with us, and they are missionaries to uh, the country of the Philippines. Our church has been partnered with them in the gospel for decades now. And we were, we were trying to uh, establish when that was that we began. But it was before I was here. It was before the pastor who was before me was here. So it's been a lot of years that we have been partnered together. So welcome uh, to our show, Dennis and Melody Nordine. Thank you. We're Thanks. glad to be here. So during today's episode, we're going to be interviewing Dennis and Melody about their lives. We're also going to talk about their ministry training and how they go about equipping servants of God for service to Christ in the Philippines. Uh, we're not going to take any questions from the audience today so that we can give our full attention to Dennis and Melody. We'll start with our first question for Dennis and Melody, and that is, can you tell us briefly how you both came to Christ and entered ministry? I was elementary-aged kid. My parents were already believers, and in the summertime, our church had vacation Bible school. 
And although I had been going to Sunday school and heard the message one day at Vacation Bible School, the message was really clear. I felt like this is the time when I need to make a commitment to Jesus. And even as a as a young boy made that commitment, the pastor of my church took me aside, talked with me, and uh, it was an exciting time to uh, commit my life to Jesus and the best decision any kid or adult could make. Mine was a similar experience of having Christian parents and going to Sunday school, church, everything at church. Um, But it was during a summer camp where a Bible camp that I went to um, when I was about nine that I really wanted to make sure that I knew Jesus was my Savior and that I was going to heaven. And along with that came a commitment to want to tell others about Jesus too. They definitely go hand in hand. Coming to faith in Christ and then sharing the gospel, those do go hand in hand. So, wonderful. How did you transition into ministry? When I was in high school, our church had its first youth pastor, and I became close friends, got very much involved in in the ministry of our church, and I decided this was something that I could invest my life in. And so after I graduated from high school, I turned down a scholarship to go study math and went to Moody Bible Institute to prepare myself for what I thought would be an entire career in youth ministry. Well, it sort of became that. We've been working with youth in the Philippines, too. But we met at Moody Bible Institute, so I joined his team after we graduated from Moody and had an interest still in in missions and working along with him in ministry, youth ministry. and. That's where we started. And we've gone to lots of schools since then, but we're thankful for that strong foundation that we had and that God has continued to teach us, and we hope that we're lifelong learners. That's excellent. And we we truly pray, and I know many of our listeners, as they look at the children who are in their church and and the ones that they know, and maybe they are involved in, in some type of a children's program or helping in Bible school or considering sending their kids to camp. Thank you for sharing that because that is so important. That is why we invest into our, our young people. Let's talk about the, uh, the the work that you do in the Philippines. Um, you've been in the Philippines how long? How long have you been there? 37 years. 37 years. All right. So uh, you are not newbies <laughs> no. in the Philippines. All right. Um, you, tell us a little bit about the Bible college there. In the graduate school, tell us about that work. Uh, a little over 50 years ago, that school was started by some missionaries there who said, we need to have trained leaders for the churches that we're starting when people would turn their lives over to Christ without someone who knew the Bible and how to train them. They would be lost and they would be swallowed up in syncretism or in some cult or, or who knows what. So uh, the school was started. And uh, we were excited to become a part of that uh, more than 30 years ago. It's a four-year Bible college for those who finish high school and feel God is calling them to go into ministry. We're very narrowly focused. We don't have degrees in anything except ministry training. We accept both men and women to study We started a graduate-level program, and we praise God that that has really grown and mushroomed. And uh, so now people in the community around us have a place to go. Those who already finished college have a place to go to further their education. 
And we're the only government-recognized school in that whole region that offers degrees in ministry training, theology, anything from a master's degree up to a Ph.D. that are, uh, depending on the level that they need, we're there to try and help them and prepare them. The theme verse of the school is Second Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. The mission of the school is summarized by saying we partner with local churches to train men and women to serve God with their whole lives wherever God calls them to serve. That's a wonderful purpose statement. What is your personal involvement? And I, and I know from being in ministry, uh, how do you personally shine the light of the gospel where you live there in the Philippines. And I, I know there's one aspect, and that's working with the students that are there, mm -hmm. and then engaging, you know, the culture around you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? When we were there earlier in our career with young children, and they were attending an international school, our Outreach into the community was through them, of getting to know their classmates and their families and the teachers and friends and making relationships there. So and we're active in our local church. I'm not the senior pastor, but I'm one of the volunteer pastoral staff. I preach some of the time. I do whatever I can to help with that sort of thing. We've been Sunday school teachers. Uh, we were in charge of the elementary kids. You were about two years in doing that. It was a lot of fun, lots of challenge, and uh, all the excitement that kids want. And Melody's been the choir director. So how did you and your school get involved in sending Filipinos as foreign missionaries to other Southeast Asian countries? Hmm, good question. Maybe 15 years ago, somebody suggested that the missionary groups get together from our part of the world. So Japan sent some people, Thailand sent some people. We brought people from other places in the Philippines together, but the whole idea was having missions. And it was a great time. You know, people talked about what we should do and how God was at work in Asia and how it's really tough and people have all of these barriers and they have thousands of years of tradition, but God is still at work and, and is breaking down some of those barriers. And one of the guys said, you know, I've got an adopted daughter. He was an American missionary in Thailand, but they'd adopted a, uh, a high schooler from Thailand and said, and she's ready to go to college, and she'd really like to go to Bible college. Could she come to your school in the Philippines for at least a year? And we said, well, you know, we'll work out the legal details. And yeah, I think that'll work. So she came. While she was there, I think every day, she told students there, oh, we need your help in Thailand. Please come and help us in Thailand. At the end of that year, we had students volunteering saying, I'd like to do a year's internship in Thailand. I'd like to help here or there. And we had these students who wanted now to be short-term missionaries. They started going. After we'd had a dozen or maybe 20 who had gone over a couple of years to work in Thailand, they came back and said, wow, one year isn't enough. We need to have a way to send regular missionaries. Can the school send regular missionaries? We said, no, 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 no. we're a school. You know, we, we do education stuff, but we're not really a mission-sending organization. Find some other one. And they looked around, and there weren't any in our region of the country. You'd have to drive hundreds and hundreds of miles, although you don't drive, you take a boat, mm -hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to get to a place. And 
And finally, somebody in Thailand said, well, if you want to send people, why not start your own? So about 11 years ago, six Filipinos invited me to join them in organizing Bethlehem Star of Peace. All six of them had been short-term missionaries, all wanted to see others have the opportunity to go back and serve for a lifetime in ministry. And we started out in Thailand. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any organization backing us up. All we had was trust in God. Are the uh, Bethlehem Star of Peace missionaries effective? Do they, do they learn new languages? Yes. Filipinos are good at learning languages because there are many languages within the Philippines itself and then lots of dialects. So they've already known their own Philippine languages, several. So they have a God-given ability, I think, of being able to hear those differences and, and speak. So when they go, Bethlehem Star has really been emphasizing that they learn culture and language. Now, what kind of ministries do the missionaries do? Let me start with Cambodia. In the country of Cambodia, we're looking at a huge problem there is human trafficking. So one of the things we do there is we work with an NGO, a non-government organization, uh, uh, set up by Christians, and we provide personnel. Bethlehem Star of Peace missionaries help to teach their vocational classes. They teach conversational English. They teach people skills so they can get regular jobs. While teaching these things, you get the opportunity to uh, answer the question, well, why are you doing this for me? Why is this so affordable? You know, why, why are you doing that? It's because we love you and God loves you. We work in starting churches, uh, especially there are many villages, the communities on the edge of the cities that are there. They have no Christian witness, nobody there at all. And so our missionaries help along with uh, Cambodians in starting churches in those new communities. We're involved also in uh, counseling for families that are affected by AIDS. It was rampant about 20 years ago. It's getting much better in Cambodia, but there's still lots of families that are affected. We do non-medical counseling. The government has medical programs, but we're the ones that help you see, well, yeah, the person is stabilized or they're getting better, but, but what are the real values that are, that are being affected here? And, and how did God let this happen? Why did this happen to your family? Does God really love us? Does he care about us? And those are the kinds of things that we're providing. So one of our families works in South Thailand where there's a mixture of Buddhists and Muslims in that area. And the, the guy grew up in a military family, and he likes all the, you know, military kinds of stuff. And the, the open door that he found was in the prison system. And he said, well, yeah, you can come in and talk to our guys. You can start small groups. You can uh, teach them tutorial stuff, you know, whatever they want to learn. So he goes into the prisons every week and has the opportunity of building uh, groups there. They have a men's group now in the prison that has, uh, several of the inmates have found Jesus as their savior. They're witnessing there. And what's interesting is it's a mixture of Buddhists and Muslims that have found Christ. But in the prison, they're all mixed together. You're not like in the, in the communities. Normally, a Muslim community would be 100% Muslim and a Buddhist community would be segregated, just Buddhist. But in prison, they throw you all in together. And God has used that to uh, help them to learn the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's just the one of the other things we do. Now, uh, you've mentioned uh, Thailand and, and Cambodia. How did you choose the countries that your ministry works in? And uh, are there any country, other countries other than Cambodia and Thailand that you, can, that you can mention? The other is in the southern Philippines. We call that UPSO, uh, Unreached Peoples of the South. 
So the bottom of the Philippines is where the greater Muslim population is. So there are people that are working in that area. Now, you mentioned uh, Buddhist communities that you work in, and then also uh, Islamic communities. How does uh, Bethlehem Star of Peace make an impact in those in those communities? Those are maybe more difficult, but in the southern Philippines where they're doing it is much through community development, preschools, kindergartens, where they're helping with education. That involves sometimes a feeding program of teaching the mothers how to cook healthy foods and taking turns of who will do that each day. Typically in the Muslim community, you don't start a, you don't call it a Bible study. You have a values class. And young people, and even uh, oftentimes mothers, are interested in that. Or you have special events, and you invite them to come in and they share ideas, and eventually they learn that Isa al-Masih, that they all believe in one of the prophets, why uh, there's a lot more about him than they'd ever heard. And you help them to figure out that this guy that they'd heard about is really the creator and savior of the world. Uh, what's the cost of sending a Filipino field worker or missionary to Cambodia or Thailand? If they were coming from the Midwest, they'd probably need to raise support for, oh, maybe three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a month. Uh, the current budget for our Filipino missionaries working in Thailand and Cambodia is just over seven hundred dollars a month. For so, a couple, it's about uh, double that. Yeah, family. So. You can see the economic difference is huge. When you take people who come from a country that lives on much less, so their their needs, their wants are different, the desires that they have, the uh, size apartment that they're comfortable in, their need for privacy is different from uh, what we Westerners have. All of those things make a huge difference in... Um, their cost, as well as even the uh, medical expense. Uh, you know, what's it cost for an insurance policy here in the U.S.? Well, I can tell you right now, if you want an international insurance policy with a U.S. carrier so you can come home here and still use it, double your cost, whatever you're, <laughs> you're paying now for a U.S. policy. That is not true for people in Southeast Asia because their policies just go across the borders or they go home to their own place and are, are covered there. So, it just makes a lot of economic sense to use Filipinos in places where they're gift. They can't do everything that Westerners can do. They don't have all the skill sets that many Western missionaries have. But the things that they can do, they are excellent missionaries, and they are really, really affordable. Now, if someone in the United States or another Western country wanted to go as a short-term field worker, what would your recommendation be for them to do? We'd like to talk to them. <laughs> that uh, they, I've got some brochures or some information uh, I could send to them. And the best way to contact me is if they would uh, send me an email, bsopshine at gmail.com. bsopshine at gmail.com. I'd get that. I'd send you information. We've got a group. Uh, we hope to take to the Philippines to work with our Bible college students in October. We're planning a trip. We're looking at January of 2016 to uh, take a short-term group to Cambodia. So 
that's the future. I'd love to talk with people who think maybe God could use me. Maybe I could uh, somehow help in different ways. And uh, I'd be glad to talk about different skills we need, different uh, opportunities for people to come for a couple weeks or a couple months. Speaking closer to home about uh, specifically Community Baptist here in Richmond, how can uh, members of Community Baptist uh, Church here in Richmond be involved in partnership with Bethlehem Star of Peace field workers? We need prayer. <laughs> wow. I mean, if if uh, you just, if it just comes into your mind to pray for, even you don't know all the names, pray for those Bethlehem Star missionaries. Pray that God will protect them. God will keep them safe. God will help their tongues to work right when they learn these new languages. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the struggles, some of the conflicts that you've encountered in ministry. And I know uh, for many people, we watch the news and we see some of the the devastation that takes place with the the typhoons that that come, you know, seems to be quite often in the Philippines. <laughs> how do these storms like this affect you? The flooding, the storms. How does that affect you? And and maybe how does that affect your students there in the Philippines? Well. You say they come frequently. Yes, they do. They go through the alphabet and a few more every year with that many (laughs) different typhoons that come through. So in some ways you think, oh, we know how to handle this. We know what to do. But a few this last year have come through stronger than ever. And they didn't know what to do. It was just beyond anyone's imagination of how powerful those storms were. But they do affect us. I remember the time when in the library you took all the books off the bottom two shelves in the library, <clears throat> stacked them up. Expecting it to flood that deep. <laughs> but praise the Lord, it didn't. The storm subsided and uh, we had rain, but it wasn't, wasn't so bad. Um, the we, worst flood we had on our campus was when the chapel flooded up to the seats so you could yeah. swim in the chapel. <laughs> and uh, But People learn that you clean the mud out and you get all the water out and uh, that it's just part of life that people get used to. Filipinos are very resilient. And that's one of the good things that God builds in then. When you've faced lots of difficulties and challenges and you've seen that you live through them, you learn that even when the enemy comes against you or things get difficult or you become depressed because your church isn't growing or or the contacts that you thought were ready to make a commitment to Christ are still not ready, you stay resilient and and come back. And so, you know, even those difficulties and challenges can make people stronger. What about the uh, problems there of disease, of the the orphans there in the Philippines? Uh, There's many documentaries that they show kids who are on the streets, kids who are picking through trash in dumps. I remember seeing a documentary of kids that are, you know, huffing on bags with glue to just, mm-hmm. n- you know, numb them mm-hmm. from the hunger pains, from these difficulties. You know, and I, I understand that that may vary on where you live and, and so forth. But what is your experience with these problems there in the Philippines? Our students work with others in the city that do it full-time. They're drop-in centers for kids that are that are interested in having help. But until kids are willing to say, yeah, I, I want some help, our students hang out with them. They spend time with them. Uh, last semester, there was uh, one of the classes that spent all night down underneath a bridge 
uh, talking with kids who had little bags of uh, rubber cement in order to get high, to numb the pain, to numb the hunger. But they got to know them and realized, hey, these aren't terrible kids. These are just ordinary kids that have huge problems in life and they don't know what to do. And they realized that if you built relationships with them, eventually the kids will realize, I need help. Like all of us, you know, we come to a crisis point and we say, oh, God, help me. Or, you know, we go to somebody and and that's the thing that our students are providing for those kids, even in our big city. It takes a special heart and an understanding to try and help people that have addictions and have problems and face huge challenges. And uh, we're glad that we have students that are involved in doing that. You've seen the the gospel then radically transform and oh, take yeah. someone from the streets to where God opens their eyes. and Now they're concerned and compassionate toward others who are in that situation. Yes. And praise God for that. When you look at the need and you consider the need and, and you're, you're, you've invested your lives there for all of these years, you see the harvest. Uh, for our listeners who may be considering, what if God would call me to serve him? Where should they begin? Well, we need to begin right where God puts us. I mean, that's you read at the beginning, the, the uh, Great Commission. Go and make disciples. But when you look at the tense when Jesus was saying that, it was said, by the way, when you're going, make disciples of all nations. And if God gives you the chance to go from East Michigan to West Michigan, wherever you go, make disciples. I looked up statistics the other day. Out of a thousand people in Thailand, about two of them are likely to be followers of Jesus. Among the Muslim communities in our part of the world, maybe three, sometimes less than that, would be followers of Jesus. In Michigan, about 290. Now, compared to two and three, that's a huge difference, but that's 290 out of a 1,000. That means if I go up and down my street, if I look at my relatives or my classmates or my workmates or whatever, there's a lot of people here, and somehow I need to be intentional in starting right here, right now. Don't think about, you know, if I get on a plane and I travel a thousand miles or 10,000 miles to get to the other side, oh, then I'll be a missionary. No, we need to do it right now and do it in the best way that we can by just making it a part of our everyday life so that we can talk about Jesus in lots of things that we do in life. That's the best place to start. We prayed for snow the other day at a group <laughs> meeting, and people said, "What? You're they were angry from with the us. <laughs> Philippines, and you're praying for snow." Sent but we back. said, <laughs> "The only way we meet our neighbors now is if it snows, and we get out and we're shoveling snow, or we're doing something outside. Otherwise, we're just all hiding in our houses." And so it was an opportunity to meet people, and actually, we met some people by doing that. Now, you've, uh, you mentioned your email address earlier in the show. Do you want to reiterate that? Okay, I'll give you the email again. It's bsopshine at gmail.com. Well, it's been great to have you uh, with us today, Dennis and Melody. And I just want to close with uh, the words from Jesus from John chapter 4. And the disciples came back. They found Jesus after he had met with the woman at the well. And they brought food. and. 
He didn't need the food that they brought to him. And Jesus says in verse 34 of John chapter 4, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Jesus was challenging his disciples to be able to see the fields, to see the harvest. And I I praise God for the faithfulness, Dennis and Melody, that you have demonstrated over the years serving the Lord. And part of our purpose in this podcast is to, one, is to call people uh, to, to repent and trust in Jesus to embrace the gospel of the Lord Jesus, that we could shine the light. And then, for those who have come to faith in Christ, to equip you and to hear from others who have been faithful in serving the Lord and sharing the gospel in various ways in different countries and dealing with different situations. But it does all begin right where you are. And we want to be an encouragement to you, and we want to encourage you to find a local fellowship of believers who are faithful to the Word of God, and if we can help you in that way, we want you to reach out and contact us here at the the program, and we will do what we can to see you plugged into a, a good, faithful church right where you are. I want to thank uh, Dennis and Mel- Melody again for being on the show, and we want to thank you, uh, listeners, for listening to this episode of Shining the Light. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash cbcpodcast. And Twitter, our username is cbcpodcast. You can also email us anytime, podcast at cbcrichmond.com. This, is, this show is a ministry of Community Baptist Church of Richmond. We'd like to thank Stuart Scott for the intro and outro music. If you're listening to this show through iTunes or another podcast app, we ask that you please rate the podcast so that we may reach even more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dennis, would you close us in prayer today? Sure. God, we want to feel the urgency that you have for souls to find Jesus. And the people that walk into our lives, help us to see them as people that need to hear about you. We ask, Father, that you'll give us wisdom for knowing ways that we can talk about you that won't offend, but rather will will increase the hunger that people might have for you. May we be unafraid to speak your words, even when people might turn away, even when others say they're not interested. We pray, Father, for our many brothers and sisters who are living in places that are under great persecution. We think about uh, lots of places in in communities where the Christians are in a tiny minority, and and, uh, we ask, Father, that you will protect them. We ask that you will help them. I pray especially today for our BSOP missionaries. I ask that you're going to help them to be not just faithful, but I'm asking God that you'll help them to be fruitful and that they'll see the results of the work that they're doing. I know your spirit is is at work all across the world, and I thank you that we could be a part of that. So I pray that each person who's listening to this podcast will think about what they can do whether they're to be a sender or whether they're to be a goer, may they be part of carrying out your commands and your great commission. I pray in Jesus' marvelous name. Amen. 